Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Welcome back to another edition of Rule the Roost podcast. Sounds increasingly kind of sad every every week. This this whole kind of another edition of I don't know. Um, hi, Raj Baines. Hi, Sebastian Stafford-Bloor. How are you? How are you both doing? Doing good, mate. This is this is just about being thirty, though. You're you're just getting progressively more sad. I just I feel like one of those kind of men that's kind of sat in my shed with a cup of cocoa. You know, like those kind of like those old like radio av club type guys that would just try and tune in and find obscure radio signals um you know the kind of thing where the kids ask the mum where's dad he's in his shed that's how i kind of feel at the moment just he's gone out to chop a piece of wood in half yeah exactly he's uh doing his ablutions or whatever i don't know um Raj, you're decidedly quiet there. Are you finding it hard to relate to us old, older folk? No, I was stunned into silence. I've just got a, an email from someone who wants me to do something at 10am tomorrow morning, so I might have to break it to them that <laughs> that's not a, a time that I uh, I see very often, but um, we'll soon see. How, how are you two? Are you all right? Yeah, I'm all right, thanks, mate. I'm all right. I'm all right. Seb, you good? You still doing your running, mate? You still doing your jogs? Yeah, still doing my running, mate. I, um, I, it's it's been nicer now because it's lighter outside. Um, but on the on 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 the downside, I kind of I choose to run early or late because no one can see me because it's dark and and there's no sort of self humiliation involved in, in in trying to get fit. But now it's light, I'm exposed to this kind of weird little counterculture of of joggers who kind of pass me and judge me. They're pretty elitist, aren't they, joggers? You know what? The thing with jogging is, is it's not it's not the, the the sport of it. It's the it's the stuff people wear. I mean, it's, it's almost <laughs> as if like people have gone into the, the sports shop and just thought this is my opportunity to look as ridiculous as possible <laughs> and ultimately as, as luminous as possible as well. Do not wear the full full head to toe lycra rubber band around your head. Not rubber, uh, so, like sweat band around your head. No, no, not at all. Like my um, I've got my my three quarter length shorts, my trainers. Uh, hoodie and when it's cold. I can imagine you wearing a big white cotton vest, Seb, like a kind of like a a, a kind of thirties forties era Olympian, <laughs> like, like like a scene from Chariots of Fire. Yeah, exactly that, exactly that. No, no, it's not even a little bit like that. I reckon you've got Chariots of Fire on your running playlist, though. No, well, you know, once I reach a certain level of fitness, I'll probably put it on. But I, I don't know. I, I'm not I'm not worthy of it yet. Um, so no, no, it's something to aspire to, though. But yeah, you know, nice early runs. You got the the fresh spring air. Sounds like my my fitness regime's gone right off the ball. I, I had this whole little routine worked out before. You know, I was like turning in my twenty ninth year. I was like, right, I'm turning thirty. I need to get on this now. I need to shed a few pounds. I've got to start thinking seriously because you know, 
this is where like this is where actual disease starts to happen from this point on you know or, or this kind of idea of getting diabetes and heart disease and stuff that that was a far-flung idea i remember being in your position Marjorie, and you're like yeah you know I'll, I'll have a fag on a night out it's fine you know it doesn't matter now now is the point where it's like I'm gonna die if I have this. Like, it's like I, I could, I could tangibly like cease to exist within years, which isn't nice. Just for our our, our American listeners, a fag is a cigarette rather than Jack dabbling in any sort of sexual escapades. So not that I have anything wrong with anyone that does. No, it's just that like I don't that. think fag is a, a thing in America other than no. a, a sort of homophobic slur. No, that's true. Um... Well, you, it's also actually it's um it's. It's also processed food that you've got to watch out for as well, because you know <laughs> it's not just the the, the 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 really obviously bad for you stuff. Like I don't drink and I and I don't smoke anymore. And um, but yeah, there's all these kind of you once you get to a certain age, you start looking at, at, at Daily Express headlines and big bulk letters that say things like, you know, too much paracetamol will kill you, and vitamin C is actually bad, and and it, it's a scary world, Jack. It is a scary world, mate. You know, you have to do things like running and you have to look after yourself and, yeah, it's a, it's a, a minefield. But, yeah, well, exactly that. And I'd, 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 I'd developed this actual regime, an actual regime where I could get out of bed three times a week on a Monday, a Wednesday and a Friday at 5.45, go to the gym and have a proper decent workout. And I, I hit this point where I was like, shit, I'm actually starting to feel... I, I actually feel quite healthy and... I feel decent. And now I went to Rome, and since I've come back from Rome, I'm just like, ah, fuck that. I don't care. <laughs> I can't be asked. I gave that a go for a bit, and, you know. But it's almost like, you know, even on those days when I was like, I really can't be asked for that, for this, there was that little bit of fight. There was that little bit of fire where I was like, get to the gym. Just do it. But now, I, it, that's not even there. It's like, ah, I know I should do it, but. You're also, you're also in a stable relationship. And that that's that's that it's very difficult to kind of, I mean, you, you need a, an aspiration, and and you're settled and happy and all, you know, domesticated now. But you know, without sort of, I don't know, it's easier when you're single to be to, to think, you know, probably shouldn't get fat and you know might have a shave once every month or so. It, it's it's definitely easier to. To, to be a bit more disciplined, I think. Hey, listeners, this is actually a football podcast, just so you know. Um, <laughs> fucking support group for you two is what it is. I know, isn't it? <laughs> isn't it? Um, we have our little chat before we start recording as well, where we just tell each other how, how, how terrible our lives are as well. It's good, it's good. It's, it's, just, very, it's just kind of bleeding over into this, isn't it? I like the fact that you and I, like, there's, there's different levels of support in that before Raj comes in, you and I are having this kind of like deep level kind of support group <laughs> yeah. then Raj comes and we're like oh Raj is here yeah so anyway like yeah I just did some shit the other day and it was fine yeah you know whatever I'm cool um lol but yeah uh I don't think I've ever said lol like that to either one of you <laughs> mate you always say you're young you know you do. it's all it's all it's all memes and lols and buzzfeed lists you know I get it. I get your culture, mate. Can I it's ask, fine. Can I ask a, um, a young person question? Actually, Raj, I am... Um, Crack on. And, and, and Jack, you, you know your social media. All right, on, I, I, I'm going to get laughed at for this, I know. But on social media, <laughs> I, pe- I see people using, like, it's not an acronym, but B-A-E. What the fuck does that mean? I think it, it means, like, baby and stuff like that. It's, it's supposed to mean their significant other and things. I believe it comes from... 
sort of uh, America. And uh, I, I realised, given my accent, I'm not the best person to explain things like this. But um, it just comes out of you know music and, and culture and things like that. That it's just one of those slang words, of colloquialism for your significant other or somebody you care a lot about. So you know you would call whoever you were going out with your bay or you can use it in sort of a a uh, like a, a ironic way and things like that. that some people have have done now, like when people like a specific footballer so like you could say Harry Kane is my bae or something like that it's just it's one of those things people tend to get a bit carried away with thinking it's cool and then they'll uh, they'll soon get bored of it and it'll there'll be something new for them to say a bit like Vine yeah <laughs> um, but modern culture is great isn't it it's just terrific absolutely love it like like Henry Winter joining BuzzFeed today which didn't yeah, happen rumors, in the end. No, big rumour mill in, uh, in full flow. Um, anyway, we uh, we we made a a, a, a pretty uh, <laughs> concerted effort to try and be as Tottenham as we could this weekend. Um, we actually we obviously we overcame Leicester in the end, but we didn't we, we didn't make it easy on ourselves, did we? Um, before I sort of go into some of the more of the specifics, such as Wes Morgan coming back to haunt you, <laughs> Mister Baines. Um, <laughs> What were your overall thoughts about the match, lads? Like, I mean, you know, it's it's obviously great to register the the three points, but you know, the the manner of the performance, especially against Leicester, wasn't great, was it? Sort of. That's a sort of game that the Premier League prides and advertises itself on because the level of quality was so low that it. It enhanced the level of entertainment. It's one of those games that, you know, people who like goals and mistakes will call a great game, whereas people who actually look to, to watch the game in a different sense will, will say it's it's not as good. So it's um, it was an odd one, really. I mean, there was there was mistakes on both sides. I think the, it was just the scoreline was probably just averaging out who was the better, who's got the better players and things like that. I don't think it was particularly down to, to anyone being a lot better on, on the afternoon. Um it was a strange one to watch because it was fairly reminiscent of of how we used to play under like Harry Redknapp to a degree and, and probably more Martin Yolen that it was so so much better attacking than it was defending that um it was it was you know um a hark back to that period but the only worrying thing is that the fact that it came so soon after the the performance at Old Trafford and obviously there were they were still probably had that on their mind and had such a bad performance on their mind. Um, for them to get the result regardless was was fantastic. We were fortunate in some regards, given that people are people are saying that Harry Kane's hat trick was the worst hat trick they've ever seen. But you've still got to put the ball in the back of the net. And um, the first one was a bit of a tap in. The second one was deflected. But his penalty was good. I mean, he, he's looked a bit shaky from them occasionally, but he. He didn't struggle with that one at all, so it was... It's, it's the type of kind of comments he's going to attract now, though, he's in the limelight, right? It's, yeah. Or the spotlight, I should say. Um, you, you're always going to have the naysayers, aren't you? But like you say, all, all the goals count, and you can't argue with 29 goals in a season from, from any player. If, if Diego Costa scores that, which I don't think he has yet, which he probably will, he'll justify whatever it was that Chelsea paid from about 30 mil, didn't they? Yeah, yeah. So, you know, it's, it's 20, 29 goals is 29 goals. He's the leading scorer in the Premier League. It's, I, I think he's, he's, what is it, 19 in the league now? And then 
some others in, in other competition. It's, that's absolutely phenomenal, though, isn't it? Yeah. Really, when when you consider that he was he's played in exactly the same competitions that a player as incredible as Gareth Bale did, and he's outscored him now. It's you know, it's no mean feat. I'm not again. I'm not saying he's on Bale's level or better than Bale, so on and so forth. It's just more the point that you know. For, for for all this kind of like, oh, he's only scored a few goals in the Europa League, so on and so forth. He's the leading scorer in the Premier League. It speaks for himself. But seriously, I, I don't really get the sort of the, the bad hat-trick comment. Hat-trick's a hat-trick. I mean, you know, not every hat-trick can look like that Yeboah one against Wimbledon from the 90s. Yeah. I mean, I mean that's, you know, pretty silly as far as hat-tricks go. But you just, um, yeah, and I talk about uh, as someone that at the beginning of the season had absolutely no faith in, in his ability to do what he's done. But... It feels like we've reached a little bit of a tipping point with Kane where the Tottenham fans still love him, fair enough, and they will do it for a long time. But the others, there's a bit of sniping now. He's gone from that kind of... When he was scoring those Europa League goals, you know, people were saying, oh, you know, it's kind of irrelevant. And fair enough, because I said the same. But now he's he's kind of scoring every week. He's reversed. He, he stopped being a novelty to a lot of fans, and he's just been he's just become a rival player. And I suppose the temptation is to try and knock a rival player at every opportunity. Yeah, I think, of course, I, I, the only type of players that really escape that are the the utterly sublime. You know, you, you don't often really hear anyone lay into like the likes of Sergio Aguero or Hazard. David Silva. Yeah, exactly that. So it's, you know... Although they still gave it a go with Bale. Bale still kind of... He, he polarised opinion. A lot of people aren't that fond of Bale. I don't know why. He's such a... He's such a timid lad. He seems like such a harmless character, but people seem to form like a real like visceral dislike for him. I don't know. You know what's weird about that though is that I um I've been look I've been reading um sort of looking at the things that are said on Twitter and I watched I watched a a few of um, Madrid's last few games and um the irony is is that Marker have have laid into him just in a sort of Daily Mail Neil Ashton way. And I remember when, um, obviously we all remember when, when that summer when Bale was being prized away from us, how vocal Marker were in that process and how much pressure they tried to exert, you know, in the limited way that the media can and, you know, the amount of bollocks that came in from Madrid fans and the absolute entitlement they clearly felt to, to having Bale and, and you know, how, you know, how incredulous they were at the idea that a club like us would never, weren't willing to sell him. And so you look at this and you think, all right, so you're not happy with the player that you massively overpaid for. But who's crying for you? Yeah. I mean, you, you kind of, you're, you're, you, they're, they're, they're the sort of, as a fan base and as an organisation, they're the spoiled child of, of club football. You're thinking, you wanted the shiny new thing. Our chairman took the piss out of you to get him, to sell him, and now you're complaining about it. It's just like, well, you know, whatever. Um, no sympathy for you. He's a very good player and, you know, uh, they're lucky to have him, and um, I have no no doubt that he'll he'll show that over time. But right. there was some uh, there was some kind of stats circulating around on Twitter, so you know, be wary how much credence you give it. But uh, there was saying that he's I don't know contributed more winning assists and winning goals than Cristiano Ronaldo this season, so, something like that. Or his 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 impact on the team has won more games for. Real Madrid than Ronaldo has done this year, which, yeah, I don't know. It's something to do with it making the difference, or I don't know, so on and so forth. But I, I think, you, like, one thing, I can't remember if it was you saying it, Seb or Raj, but one of the, I know we're going off on a bit of a bail tangent, but 
One of the kind of the main things that seems to be behind this kind of campaign against Gareth Bale at the moment is the fact that people don't really want to have a go at Ronaldo, given that he's not really been performing as well as he should be, because he's clearly on the decline now. I um, yeah, no, I remember saying that, and um, and I I still agree with it. I, I um, thing about Ronaldo is that I um, I, I was talking to Misa, who we obviously had on a couple of weeks ago about this. And it seems like everyone got on Ronaldo's back because he reacted in that weird way to Bale scoring uh, last weekend. And um, this is kind of a, like a manifestation of, I, I reckon, Ronaldo's frustrations with himself in that he's such a... Like, he's a very skillful player. He's a, he's a great attacking footballer. But, but so much of what he does is, is linked to his athleticism. And, um, and I think that's starting to subside. And he's not quite... I mean, the margins at the top of the game are so thin that any even, you know, marginal uh, incremental decline is, is going to affect his performance and I think he's reacting a little bit to that um, and I think the Madrid fans you know why would you not want to if you've had someone like Ronaldo propping up your side for as long as he has done why would you not react badly to seeing that ever away a little bit yeah no well fuck Ronaldo um, yeah exactly yeah exactly um, <laughs> another case of Dr Tottenham in this Leicester City game as it was Vardy's first goal since September 2014, which is pretty farcical. And of course, but he, you know, he, he, I can remember there was a lot of hyperbole around Vardy, wasn't there? When he had those first few games in the Premier League and he looked fairly decent, there was suddenly this whole talk of, you know, Spurs linked with 14 million. He he is a Tottenham 14 million pound buy, Vardy, if he kind of kept up that form he had early season. That's the kind of like level I see him going to someone like us or to Everton or someone for that kind of figure but yeah whatever we're, we're not going to sign him obviously but he's, he's obviously a fairly talented player I don't think so I think he's just got pace on his side he's championship player he's, he's not much better than that I don't think he's got much more to his game in all honesty I don't think he's a particularly good finisher I don't think he's particularly talented holding up the ball or playing people in um, he's not technically gifted in any sense. He's just extremely quick. Um, so I, I, I don't really. He works very hard too, and that that helps. He is he, he's, he's relentless with his work rate, which kind of compensates for a lot of, for, for not quite as much ability as he as he probably um, needs to play in the Premier League. He looked fucking world class against us. So that probably <laughs> says something about our defence. Um, and also Wes Morgan, of course, scoring his first ever Premier League goal. Do you? I'll, I'll put this one over to you. Mr. Baines, you got any thoughts on on Wes Morgan? And... I still love Wes. Um, there's no hard feelings between us, given that we still won. But Your he, man, Wes. He, but he is still hilarious. I mean, given fair <laughs> enough, he scored and and scored against us, which I, I laughed at and did call um, before the game to to someone I was with and said that oh, I hadn't realised when I wrote that piece that we still had Leicester to play, and I should have really thought about it and held it back until that had passed. <laughs> But he is, so if you look at some of the things he's done this season, some of the own goals and some of the mistakes he's made, he is so slapstick and funny. And um, he's just one of those players that I enjoy watching purely to laugh at. And fair play to him, he he did up his game against us, as did most of the Leicester players, purely because I think they're they're entering that stage of the season now for them where they realise if they don't start putting points on the board as soon as possible, if not a few weeks ago, then they're their relegation fight is, is non-existent. Uh, it may be that way already, and they may be just be playing for 
for pride now, but it's you know it was it was it was nice to see him score and to have him have a bit of a smile on his face because I think that means he's got about three or four own goals and one proper goal this season. So te- <laughs> technically, it's not his first Premier League goal; it's just his first Premier League goal in the right end. Uh, but he, he, I wonder how they actually yeah. Do you own goals count? Well, there's there's always those stats about like I remember uh didn't Nicholas Bentner score more goals for Tottenham than he did against Tottenham when he was at Arsenal and, and Richard Dunn scored more on goals. I was gonna say Richard Dunn definitely. Yeah, has, Jamie yeah. Carragher as well, I think. But yeah, they were always good for sliding in when they shouldn't do and it bouncing them off their wrong leg. Wes Morgan is very much of that that wheelhouse. I th- I I mean I, I you know, we shouldn't have considered three goals to the White Hart Lane, clearly, but I think that's a, are an example of a team who I think they're really well coached. I think they're pretty well organised, and I think you know, they they are quite championship. But they don't get they don't get hammered in this division. They just they play well for long periods, and then there's that Wes Morgan moment, which undermines their entire effort. It's happened again, and not necessarily with Morgan specifically, but again and again and again, they've just they've undone like long periods of work with something ridiculous, um, which is a shame because I, I think they're um, I don't think they're a bad team at all. I think, you, well, it's true because you look at teams like, you look at QPR, you look at Sunderland. Yeah, Sunderland. Yeah, exactly. Awful teams. And then you kind of, you look at the likes of like Leicester, Burnley, and you think, I, I feel quite bad for these guys. Like, they both play, especially Burnley. Um, I like Burnley. I think, I think you wrote about Burnley last week, actually, or this week. I couldn't remember which one of you it was, but it was a, it was a good piece, that one. You should read it, listeners. Let's read that. Baines will tweet it out at some point or... It's on you, Max, at Raj, isn't it? What? I wasn't listening. Your Burnley piece. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He doesn't yeah, even yeah, yeah. listen when we praise him. Like, it's just, it's just, yeah, it's just, on the... No, bu- what I was bu- talking about... Bubbling with like, arrogance. No, sorry. I was reading something else. <laughs> what Burnley have done... I'm not sure if you've said it or not, but what Burnley have done... Looking at right? Victoria's Secrets models again. Yeah, that was the one. But, um... And what Burnley have done that, um... You just knocked me off my stride there. Let me try and finish. What Burnley... You weren't done. fucking listening. Well, you knocked yourself off your stride. <laughs> I deserve that. Anyway, um, what Burnley have done... <laughs> that, um, I'm only, I only turn up these days to do my Super League Dream Team update, so you're lucky I'm even here. Anyway, <laughs> Burnley, what they do to entertain me and what I appreciate is the fact that they've come into the league and most teams, when they come up, put undue pressure on themselves and, and sort of um, they spend too much money, they spend all their TV revenue and things before they've actually been paid it and they sort of gamble on keeping their Premier League status and, and, and sort of spend their parachute payment money before they've even had it in, in an attempt to sort of revamp their squad from from the top down and stay in the league through that route and you see time and time again that it fails they go down and purely because they've put that much financial rest- restraint on themselves and, and pressure they, they can't come straight back up or or when they do they try exactly the same trick again with a new set of money and they fail again and it happens time and time again you get these yo-yo clubs that are just entirely boring and predictable when they come up but a team like Burnley, they've they've hardly spent anything. They're, they're, they've they've safeguarded the immediate future of their club through the money that they've earned by coming up into the Premier League and without acting like competition winners in that they've just sort of gone, oh, thanks for the money, we'll come for a season and we'll go back to where we belong. They've sort of stuck to what they've done and stuck to what they've known and they've attacked it in that sense and, and, and stuck to the same core of players and they've sort of trusted themselves to, to build on what they did last season. And if... 
they now stay up for a second season. They have a year's worth of Premier League payments in their back pocket. So because they've got a small stadium, because they don't have a high wage bill, because they can't spend that much on players, they can slowly and organically grow the club. And if they do that year on year, they will improve. Whereas clubs who try and do five years' worth of development in six weeks in the summer ultimately fail. It, it's not sustainable. It doesn't work. And Burnley have just completely removed all stress from themselves and they've not they've not you know the financial restraint of going we have to get this it's like sort of if somebody takes on mortgage payments that are that are too big for them and they're like a a part-time worker or a contract worker or a seasonal worker it's just not going to work out because you do not know whether or not you're going to have that level of income to sustain what you've done your your income does not match your lifestyle or, or what you can afford and Burnley have just completely <laughs> fucked that off and gone, no, we're going to do it in our own manner. We're going to do this to benefit the club in the best possible way. And they've sort of made a mockery of the likes of QPR and, and even Leicester, who who come up and spend a lot of money. And they've they've been a, a good addition to the to the league because they've just sort of they've done themselves. It's, and it's a good point, that I like it because they, they they also seem to have a, a manager in, in Sean Dyke, who's... Uh, who has the most incredible voice? I thought he had a cold the first time I, I heard him talking, but he actually he just talked like he's been gargling tar. Do you know what I mean? Like he's he's got that voice. But the thing about him that you got to love about Sean Dyche as well is that he just he seems to kind of realise. Yeah, he doesn't really have the players. He doesn't have the you know the top talent that a lot of Premier League clubs do. But he's not going to sit back and he's not going to defend and he's not going to play anti football. He's still going to try and get his team playing football like a, a decent kind of passing with some sort of a rhythm and a semblance of a style to it and you have to appreciate that and and I, I don't know I, re- I really quite like it I like Sean Dyche I think he seems like a, a D- Sean Dyche or Dyke or I'm not I really sure Dyche. how you pronounce it but but he, he seems like a good bloke I like him yeah and what you um, said as well that, that attitude of his of coming out and playing and not really having too much fear is has been projected on the fans as well you you find fans of of clubs like Southampton, not Southampton, sorry, Sunderland and QPR, who don't really enjoy being in the Premier League because they've got these ambitions of being a bigger club and 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 improving because they've seen the the level of manager they've hired and they've seen the the level of player they keep signing and they never really progress because there's so much lack of settlement and there's no contingency plan there. Whereas a team like Burnley, their fans have sort of seen what the club is doing, have understood that perhaps this isn't the time that they're going to settle in the Premier League. Maybe if they go down, they've not lost anything. They've, they'll go down with as much pride as they came up with. They've not sort of harmed themselves in any manner. And they, they've just their fans have taken to it and bought into what the club are doing. And that's one of the most important things they can do because if they've got disenfranchised fans doing what they are, then that would sort of put undue pressure on the manager. And, and that's when board members and things start getting a bit uneasy when they think their fan base is going to you know, start start talking with their feet and not coming to the ground anymore but Burnley fans haven't done that they, they entirely understand that if they stay up this season they've, they've done not the impossible but they've done a lot better than many expected them to because if you look at 
if you do the correlation between the players they have, the money they spend on wages and the money they've spent on transfers, they should be at the bottom of the table by quite some distance, even further below Leicester. And purely because they, they've believed in what they've done and they've they've sort of bought into that, they're, they're not. And that that is admirable from where I stand. It's I'd rather a club do that than sort of spunk 100 million on average players and, and think they're going to buy consistency in the Premier League, which has shown time and time again that that's really not a model to, to try and replicate. Didn't they, um, didn't they have, last season, it, either the fourth or the sixth lowest wage spend in the Championship, which kind of adds a bit of context to, to what an achievement it's been over the last two years. It's an incredible thing that they're even in the Premier League and that they're competing at all. Um, so it's an amazing thing. I like it. I like it. We've... Uh, we've, we've <laughs> We've kind of gone off on a massive tangent this pod, but it's an international break, so we're allowed to do it, right? We can, you know, also, we can, we can that, I think it's fair enough because that Leicester game was so silly that I, I, I was watching it and I, I, I watch our games with, you know, our pod in mind. And I just remember thinking, what can we actually say about this? It was just a mess. It was, I mean, we won and great, yay, you know, Hattrick, Hurricane, everything. But, you know, it's not, it's not awful lot you can say about team selection or analysis or. You know, substitutions, or we didn't really learn anything other than all the things we already knew. <laughs> yeah. um, so it's not there's not an awful lot to say about it. Well, we're we're ten points clear of Swansea, so I guess that's 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 worth noting. Um, and that actually took me by surprise. I didn't realise there was that that gap um, developing between us and the chasing pack. So really, um, I'd like to think we can finish above Southampton, wouldn't you? Yeah, I um, I really like Southampton. Uh, I think I, I, I've got a huge amount of admiration for everything they've done, uh, and I have a, an article coming out on this tomorrow. So I don't want to I don't want to throw around bits from that. But um, it um, I don't know. Not even for a rule the roost exclusive. You know what? Okay, rule the roost exclusive. You 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 you've convinced me. <laughs> I um to talk about my own work. That was that was well done there, Jack. Um, I. I just I, I, the, the the distance. The thing about Southampton is everyone will obviously know what happened last summer and you know how how, um, how that side has ripped apart. I just think it's incredibly impressive to see a manager come in um, with a whole batch of new players and create a side in in essentially six preseason weeks, which has been one of the most tactically impressive in the division. I think that's just an amazing thing. I don't think Coman gets nearly enough credit for that. Um, because Southampton, when we talk about Southampton, we always talk about you know, black boxes and Mitchell and, and, <laughs> and Les Reed and, 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 and recruitment generally and their youth academy. Um, but if you look back at Coman's time in, in Feyenoord, uh, when he worked there for three years and he worked under the duress of a, it was a 40 million euro debt, club weren't really able to spend much money in, in, in the transfer market. In every season, they would have this huge turnover of players. They, they'd obviously have a talent drain um, out of the club. And he would reassemble the side uh, year to year. And they finished. They never finished lower than third. Which I know the Dutch league isn't the strongest, but it's still an incredible amount of stability. Um, and I, I just think what he's done is... He's the manager of the year, in my mind. Uh, I, I really believe that. I just think when you're judging that kind of category, you, you look at distance covered rather than necessarily... Uh, trophies or any other tangible achievement and you see where they were where they were expected I mean cause you forget there's 
whole batch of kind of smug sports writers who had them finishing not only in the relegation places but dead last, and people writing, you know, people writing sort of fairly misogynistic, cliched articles about Katharina Liebert and, and what her intentions were at the club, and oh, she just wants to go shopping in Bond Street, and that's why she's selling all the players. I mean, these are big, proper uh, broadsheet writers saying these kind of things on Twitter. And they've turned around and they've stuck up two fingers at everybody. And it's great. I love it. Absolutely love it. Um, so, you know, I, I, obviously I want us to finish as hard at the table as possible, but I would never begrudge Southampton finishing um, in the top four or above us or, you know, just getting the European, European football that they clearly deserve after their season. You know, I, I hear everything that you're saying. But? <laughs> but it's just their fans. It's their fans, Seb. I've never had any problem with their fans. Tell war stories. Go on. Well, well, I don't know. They just they 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 have this kind of bizarre idea that they are actually legitimately they are a bigger club than Spurs. There always seems to be this kind of, or at least on par with us. When we were linked with like Lalana, so on and so forth, and when Pochettino came to us as well, there was this whole kind of talk of. Oh well, it's it's a sideways step. Why would they? Why would they make that move? Like, there, there seems to be kind of like a, a fundamental lack of understanding of where they actually are. I mean, I, I don't think I, in any way, overstate Tottenham's value or Tottenham's position. But I we, think we all we, know we, our we're definitely a bigger team than Southampton, like considerably bigger team than Southampton. I well, I I think it, the, the bigger club argument is is kind of impossible to win, but. I think if you look at our history and you look at not only you know our, our literal 50 60 year history but our recent history I mean we've been you know we're a, we're a, we, we were never playing at the Dell we weren't playing in League One I mean I, I love Southampton but it's kind of I don't know I think you can understand anyone wanting to leave Southampton for <laughs> I've corrupted you I love it well no, but I think it's a, I think it's a fair thing to say though because it's, yeah. it's you know it's it's um you know, so they're a really progressive club, and, and they are one of my favourite sides in the division. And I've, you know, people, people know I've written a, a lot of good things about about their progress. But it, it, Tottenham is Tottenham. It's a it's a um, marquee name of English football. And I know we're not, you know, we we're not financially the richest, and we're not currently competing for championships. But it's still, you know, we're we're still, I think, more a more of a recognisable name. Across the continent. We're that team that Harry Kane plays for. Yeah, after all. Um, Let's go to some of our listener questions because we've probably rambled quite a bit, but I don't mind that. Like I say, I keep keep saying, you know, it's an international break, so, you know, we can ramble. Um, We've had one from Ian Field, at Ian D. Field, who says, How would you go about making the team concede fewer goals? I'll put that one to you, Mr. Raj Baines. Different players. Buy better defenders. I think one or two additions might be um, might be required. I think some competition at right back for definite. I'm not entirely sure about Yedlin. To be honest, I think he, although he he seems to have won people over by playing in the World Cup and and keeping players quiet in inverted commons, he's uh, he's not really proved himself in this league or or in a decent league. To be honest, having watched some MLS this season, it's um, it's a bit patchy. So the fact that he's still playing for our under twenty ones and he's being introduced there gives us an idea of how far his progression is. He um, 
he's very much still an understudy. I wouldn't expect him to suddenly become our number one overnight. Um, Team Fredericks. Although he, he uh, I'm, you know, you say he's not been sold, but I'm still, I'm still fairly convinced I saw that he'd gone on permanently somewhere. I'm not sure he's on loan. Um, but there's, you know, there's the... Uh, there's a battle between Davies and Rose at left back. Um, I think long term, there's there's obviously this goodwill towards Rose this season because he's improved so drastically. But I still don't think he's he's necessarily of the quality that we may require. He still makes positional mistakes quite often, and he, although he he's getting better at, at doing a lot of his job, he's he's still not fantastic. He, he, the fact that he's been our best player on some occasions this season. Just says about you know some of the lack of lack of performance that's been there in some of the games where he's he's tried. He's a as we said about Burnley early. He's a, he's very much a trier. Um, so I know it sounds like a backhanded compliment, but I didn't mean it that way. Um, <laughs> Kyle Walker. He um, he comes in for a lot of undue criticism. Hard. <laughs> what? He, he does. Carl uh, Walker the comes in for a thing you can say about a player. Yeah, well, Carl yeah. Walker comes in for a lot of uh, undue criticism, as far as I'm concerned, because there's there's not really an understanding of how much his his injuries have taken a toll on his progression. Because every time he seems to be getting back towards his best and actually getting some game time under his belt consistently and, and finding some form, he gets injured. And he, he didn't really have a pre-season this summer under Pochettino um, to actually learn as well as other players did. He didn't really have that, that time that Danny Rose has had to sort of become a better player. He's not really had yet. And um, there's this there's the, the sort of tendency, once a player's past about 22, people think they're suddenly in their prime and that they're a complete footballer after they've reached that age and, and they've completed growing. But I don't think that's the case with him at all, just because he's he's quick and just because... He's, you know, he has the tendency to be a tad bit erratic. It doesn't mean he's a terrible footballer. I think he's he's got a long way to come still, but I'm I'm not about to give up on him either because I've seen him show what he can do and and his his understanding of the game a lot better. And currently he's in a bad patch of form, which happens to all players. But I don't think that's any need to to get rid of him. I'd rather. We hopefully he stays fit for the remainder of this season, and, and he has this tendency of, of getting injured just at the end of the season. So he actually misses the full pre-season or misses a tournament with England or something like that, and that's always really bad because I think pre-seasons and, and having that time just to learn what the manager wants them to do that season and what they're doing at the time and, and get fit with everyone else in tandem and spend that time with your team is is quite an underrated part of a season when. When clubs have a really good start to the year, it sort of gives them a foundation to which they build their their uh, their season on. And if we'd have had a, a, a better start to the season, we'd be in a much better position now, um, which is an obvious thing to say, but it's it's the truth at the end of the day. Other than that, I, I think I've said previously, I don't think I want to see wholesale changes. I just want to see a better level and a better class of player bought. Um, in terms of what we're looking to do with the side and, and competitiveness amongst the, the team in different squad areas. Chadley and, and Townsend can have some competition on the wings, Lamella too. Um, we're going to have to reinvest up front because it's very likely that both Soldado and, and Adebayo will go this summer. Um, I think Adebayo's gone either way, to be honest. I think he's he's sort of had one too many times to, to prove himself at the club now and, and given the attitude... Um, with which we we tried to flog him in January or send him anywhere we could in January, just sort of showed our attitude towards a player. And that entire 
cabal of players is going to go. So I imagine there'll be a few players coming in um, and and that overall strengthening of the squad is what's going to lead to us conceding less goals. The The fact that Southampton have, have got the best defence this season isn't down to their back four entirely. It's down to the fact that they had a band of two in their midfield of, of Scheidlin and, and Wanyama who worked fantastically together and understood that position and did the shielding job and the, the midfield job really well and that was probably their, their strongest position in the park um, and, and since they've they've both sort of had injuries and, and suspensions and, and fallen out of form a little bit more that's when Southampton have started to struggle and I don't think, although their full backs have been good um, going forwards and, and things like that, I don't think they're necessarily the uh, the reason why they're they're defensively sound. So I think it's more about just sort of solidifying what we have and, and moving forward as a team because we are in one way or another winding down now this season. There's not a lot for us to play for. So the fact that the performance is becoming a little bit more lax are, are probably um, just the fact that the attitude is slightly to, starting to slip ever so ever so slightly. So I wouldn't be too worried about it to be honest. Um, there's a, there's going to be a a lot of work done over the next few years, and the fact that we're as as far ahead of where we expect it to be now is um, is a bonus. We got to play for pride, mate. That's it. You got to play for the shirt, or they can get out the fucking door if they don't, mate. That's what we got to play for. Um, no, very good point, mate. Very succinct. Nicely done. Um, that's Christ. That sounded patronising. I didn't mean it to be. <laughs> um, that was very good. Very comprehensive answer. Um, one from Penketh Craig, who he uh, just a little shout out to Penketh Craig, who actually walked. I don't know where he lives, but he walked like two hundred miles to White Hart Lane um, for Macmillan Cancer. So it's a good shout. Good shout yeah, out to the lad. Um, but he asks us. Uh, Pretty profound question. Um, as a man that's walked 200 miles and probably done quite a lot of thinking, does. Um, what's your favourite jelly bean? I'll put that to you, Seth. Um, yeah, difficult one. I um, I I really like green apple. Yes, um, I was going to say green apple. I'm a big fan of green, green apple. Green apple's really good. Peach is nice. Um, I. It's easier to, to list the ones that I hate because I, I kind of... I'm a fairly all-inclusive jelly bean eater. Um, I, I hate the licorice ones. Uh, coconut is the taste of evil. Um, <laughs> and there's one other that I... Watermelon's very nice. Uh, I, I, I'm kind of of the opinion that, that jelly beans should have... They should always be a fairly tart flavour. Either the citrus ones or the apple ones. Something that's kind of acidic. Um, I orange don't know why. Nice. I quite yeah, like orange. exactly yeah. that. It's it's the kind of like you say. It's like chocolate flavor jelly beans, coconut flavor jelly beans, vanilla. It's just unpleasant. It's not right. I you near near where I used to go to school. There was um there was a, a Woolworths which would sell like that would sell them individually. Do you know what they are, Raj? By the way, Woolworths. Yeah, yeah, we had Woolworths <laughs> up here. Too young. <laughs> yeah. Oh, well, it didn't come um, out of business. We had a Woolworths everywhere. I know, it's just, I was, I was just being silly. And um, and you could, you, you, they were all sort of, they were in their little divisions, and there must have been all, you know, the, how God knows how many flavours there are, but they're all separate. So you could have your, you know, you have as many as many pear as you want, or as many apples as you want. The truth about jelly babies, jelly beans, is, is that the 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 value in them is their individuality. If you have too many of the same one, <laughs> it ruins it completely. So I remember going in there once and buying like a. 
you know, eight quid's worth of pear jelly beans. Schoolboy, oh, schoolboy. Um, ne- never been back, mate. Ruined, ruined pear forever. The, the problem is, I like to, I'll, I'll, I'll kind of, you know, I'll have one at a time, and I'll be like, oh, that's a nice flavour. That's a nice flavour. And then just like the fat fuck in me, well, or, <laughs> or out of me, kind of takes hold of the situation, pushes that guy out of the way, and just has a big handful, mixes flavours, chucks them in my face. And then you get a coconut one by accident. Ah, oh, mate, it's, it's a disaster. Nothing but... will ruin a mouthful quicker than that, I tell you that. It's, it's just, a, I mean, whoever needs, um, whoever, whoever, whoever decided in the jelly bean factory that they needed a coconut flavour just needs taking out and shooting. Whoever saw a coconut fall out of a tree and just think, I'm going to eat that, just get rid, get them in the bin. Yeah, that would be a nice addition to our snack range. Wrong and I hate coconuts. Disgusting. Anything to add in that in that one, Baines, too? No, I didn't realise Seb was such a jelly bean aficionado before we started, but you learn something new. Yeah, exactly. What I would, what I would add on the, uh, the coconut chat is... Um, I think it was either Quality Street or Roses, uh, one of the two big ones. Um, they used to have these two fairly similarly coloured and shaped um, sweets. One of them was plain chocolate and the other one was coconut. And I, because I think at some level I may be, I'm either thick or colour blind. One of them was slightly <laughs> blue, one of them was slightly turquoise. And I could never tell the difference. So I always used to ask my mum which one's which because I don't want to eat the fucking coconut because it's nasty. Yeah. Or not the plain chocolate one. And as a piss take every single time, me trusting my mother, she would tell me the opposite of what I wanted and I'd end up eating the coconut one. And I have slightly um, scarred memories of, of stuff like that. And it happens all the time. Every Christmas, you know when you have like a unhealthy collection of those tins of chocolates yep. and you seem to get through about ten of them? Yeah, it happens every year. And uh, she, she, um, she does it all. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Life is full of what-ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard Fixed Indemnity Insurance Plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out-of-pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what-ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Simon, I think they've actually got rid of the plain chocolate one now, and they do something else instead of it, but it's still the same colours. But um, I'm just scarred for life of having my mother betray me in such a fashion. It's too too fruity, mate. That's that actually. Sorry, I've left one out. Tutti frutti. That is a, that is an absolute disgrace of a jelly bean. It's the one. It's a spotted one. <laughs> with like, and and then the thing. The worst thing about that. Leave the jelly beans that, alone. That's not even a flavour. That's not even a thing. That's just a. That's a phantom jelly bean. It's a cheat, really. That, but like it's I say, like we need I, another flavour. Let's make one up. I mean, it's not. You know. That's kind of my experience of jelly beans. I mean, like I say, when when the fat boy takes over. 
and I'm shoveling them all into my face, it all becomes tutti frutti. So you know, just tipping up the bag, and yeah, okay. Mate, I could, I could. What I tend to do is I'm not sure what the actual flavors are, but if you get like the the ones that are the most fluorescent green, orange, and yellow, and sort of eat them at once. They work really well. Mm. I do the same thing with uh, with Starburst, and you sort of get a a mix of flavors. I can take because I'm, I'm a vegetarian, but I can take like the Jelly Belly ones. They're all right, and they don't use gelatin, but it does make me worry what they do, like, what they you know use instead of gelatin in that in that medley. Well, it's all crap, isn't it? We're all going to die. Forget about it. It's not worth worrying about. But on the coconut chat, one other thing I wanted to say. There's this new nonsense at the moment, this whole people taking to drinking Vita Coco, all these little kind of bottles of coconut water and all this kind of crap. And I said to someone the other day, like, in the, I work in a fairly kind of poncy environment, which is all about kind of, you know, kale smoothies and protein shakes and all these kind of fad nouveau wave dietary things. Like, people have survived for hundreds of thousands of fucking years. Without this stuff, why do you suddenly think that this is going to... Anyway. Um, But yeah, someone said to me, I I said, like, oh, is that nice? Do you actually, do you you like that coconut water? No, not really. So why do you drink it then? Oh, because it's got something to do with electrolytes in it. That, That was the actual God's honest response I got. It's got something to do with electrolytes in it. And that, that just demonstrates why marketing is bad. Yeah, um, it is. It's like someone, someone's read something in a magazine, their, their favourite right, big brother runner-up or someone has you know, done a promotional piece about why electrolytes made them thin or something. And, and, and ever since, they've just been, um, they've been brainwashed. Well, there we go. Cheers, Craig. I hope you. I hope we've answered your question there. Anyway, <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, we've got one from Sanjiv. Uh, at he's very, very, very good lad as well. You should give him a follow. At a heaven of hell. I swear you say that ahead of every single person that sends us a, I, a question. I only read out the good. Yeah, that is because we only answer the ones from people we like. Someone's going to send one in, and you go, "This guy's a cunt." I don't know. Too. Only read out the good ones, but he is. He's a good lad. At at a heaven of hell. Um, and he asks, who are you most embarrassed to acknowledge as a fellow fan? This is where I'm sure it gets turned around onto me. But uh, <laughs> he he lists Richard Littlejohn as an example. And it was only until I read this question that I, you know, was ignorant to the fact that Richard Littlejohn is a Tottenham fan. But apparently yeah, he is. Sadly so. that, that's quite sickening because... He is someone that I, I mean, like, I, I kind of have a, uh, a kind of like a jovial level of hatred, if you like, for someone like Tim Sherwood, for example. But you know, I, to, to say I actually hate him, I probably don't. Someone like Richard Littlejohn, who I would, if I'm going to be honest, probably cheer if he died. Sorry, I'm just going to say that now. No, I think that's a fair thing to say. It's he's, it's 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 not nice to find out that he he supports the same team. That, but that, the thing is, the question is like, it's not really about the person you hate. It's about it's about who makes you cringe to think you have any kind of affiliation with. And I suppose he's kind of answered his own question because Little yeah. John's hard to beat. He is. I think I, I'm not even sure Piers Morgan beats Little John, if I'm honest. No, no, but Morgan doesn't. Morgan's not like Morgan's just a, a he's just a fool. I mean, he's a very wealthy, successful fool, but yeah, um, <laughs> 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 a fool, Dan. Right? No, but he is. He's just he's like a he's like one of those fans that turned up in like you know 
Arsenal's invincible season, presumably, and 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 and, and tries terribly hard to show everyone how upset he is when they lose. He just typifies nouveau Arsenal, doesn't he? That that's he's he's Emirates era Arsenal. That's what Piers Morgan is. Selfie stick and um, oh, and all, yeah, just odious. But little John's just little. Uh, I I don't I don't have words for him. He's just uh, he's appalling. T- talking to selfie sticks and talking about Arsenal, I, I, uh, it was that absolute disgrace that he tweeted out the other day, which amused me that one day he's going to take a selfie stick into the Emirates. <laughs> And take a selfie of himself wearing a half and half scarf and uh, tweet it out just to boil piss, which I found quite funny. Man, absolute disgrace gets around though. He was in a new camp uh, for the Classico on, on Sunday night. He was in Monaco the week before. Yeah, I hate to see his credit card bill. Yeah, sick tosser. But he's gooner though, isn't he? You know what they're like. So fuck him. Exactly. They make they make you look common as muck, mate. Well. Well, well, you know. <laughs> it sounds like, don't get ahead of yourself, man. Yeah, there's some things we can laugh off, but then, you know, there's that invisible um, line, Jack, that you don't, okay. you remember we talked about that off, yeah. off, off, off her? Like the ones, like the, like the production meetings that Raj makes me delete, those, those kind of invisible lines. <laughs> um, fair enough, I, li- I like this, it's, we should probably maintain a level of mutually assured destruction when it comes to production meetings, so I'd probably jump the gun. I'll, I'll hold my hands up to that. Raj definitely isn't listening to us, so that's all right. No, he's reading something, ordering food. Yeah, looking at salacious Instagram accounts. Eating an entire garlic bread to himself. <laughs> he's actually disappeared, hasn't he? No, I'm here listening to you. I was just waiting for you two to finish. Is this is this like <laughs> is this like sitting uh, sitting in on an old people's home, Raj, at the moment? Just hearing this, like, yeah, I've never been bullied before, but it's nice to have two geriatrics sort of talking about me. In our day, mate, it was all football 365, and it was called Championship Manager back then, yeah? Yeah, it was. Yeah. yeah. And it was, it was better. And it was released by IDOS. None of this Sega. No, no, I tell you, before, no, I tell you, Sensible, sensible World of Soccer, before, um, before Championship Manager, that, um, that, that, that took hours off my day. Halcyon days, mate. Halcyon oh, days. Never actually been battered either. And do you, do you ever remember the, the, the cheap kind of rip-off version of Sensible World of Soccer called Kick-Off? Did you ever play Kick-Off? Is that the one where you, if you pressed enough buttons, you could punch the referee? No, <laughs> I, 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 okay. I didn't ever unlock that Easter egg, but... That was Three Lions, wasn't no, it? No, no, no. It was this weird Japanese import game that it was just... It was um, basically unplayable, and there was only really way, one way of scoring. But one of the, its main sort of unique selling point was, was that if, if, as you were getting booked, you mashed as many buttons on your. I'm not going to age myself by telling you what console it was, but if you mashed. Is it ZX Spectrum? <laughs> no, a little later than that. Oh. Um, if you mashed enough buttons, you, you would slap the referee, and he'd give you a second yellow card and send you off. It's like in the in the old like thinking like FIFA ninety seven and ninety eight. You used to be able to slide tackle the goalkeepers and get a yeah. red card. Um, you could do that for quite a few years. I think it only went out in the past few seasons. It's really? gone out um, when they started to be more simulated. Oh, yeah, maybe, I think no. Um, I think the last one I can recall you could do it was like two thousand and one FIFA two thousand. Well, it kind of that was like its first jump into like a next gen. There was a few years of FIFA, I think from around 
from around 2000 to probably about 2008. I I didn't play FIFA. I had that was when Pro Evolution was at its best. So yeah, when everyone went from FIFA to Pro Evo, and then FIFA sort of took its strangled hold back when Pro Evolution tried to mess with the perfect formula and sort of destroyed itself. And and FIFA um, be- kind of just based its gameplay on old Pro Evo games. Yeah, pretty much. I, yeah, well, I I don't think it's. I still don't think. I mean, I no, I, I, I cheerfully admit not to. Being an expert on the latest FIFA, but I don't think those Pro Evo years have ever been matched. No, nah. Pro Evolution Soccer Six, honestly, it's the best football game oh, ever made. Right. Just yeah, just 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 yeah. I think if something like that existed now, I'd still play. I think probably. Oh, I loved it. I loved all those games. But Chris Evans is a Tottenham fan, as is Michael McIntyre, and they're both. Um... Horrifically unfunny. Chris um, Evans is just one of those. He's not really a Spurs fan, though. He's just one of those nineties lads that's made his money. Oh, he's a t- I cannot stand him. He's not. That, he's not Little John League, though. I mean, he's not. That, that's a different stratosphere, I think. Because uh, yeah, Little John's just um, um, an odious person. More than anything else. I quite. He's not. He's not that funny. He's. He's a bit kind of dad jokesy nowadays, but. I, I always quite liked having Paul Whitehouse on side. I, I, I had a lot of time for the Fast Show in the nineties and that kind of thing. Um, so I, was always, I, I quite liked having him as a as a Spurs fan. And there's all these random. We got loads of these random like wrestlers and things like that now. That it's like they're they're not actually Spurs fans. Don't you get this? Like, don't you understand? Like when. John Cena comes to White Hart Lane and holds a shirt. He's not actually a Tottenham fan. Like, uh, maybe he is, but I just, I'm too cynical to accept it. I'm even too cynical to accept it. The, what's it? The man eats food or whatever he's called. That. Oh, uh, you know, uh, you know what? I, I think he's quite genuine. I mean, the way he, he I, I, I can't remember what, I think I might have heard him talk on The Fighting Cock um, about, about Spurs. And, and he, he sounded very sincere and, and, um, you know, it was it was sort of in that kind of very American way, but it was it's, it came across as being very genuine. So I'm I'm willing to willing to give him the benefit of that. And I think he does go to games though. So that kind of he doesn't just get showed onto the pitch and asked to hold up a massive cupcake or anything like that. He, he actually, <laughs> actually goes, he goes, just goes, does that for his career. He just know. does that for his career. It's a pretty good career. Yeah, yeah. To be fair, I just do it for my own self hate. So. Uh... Anyway, uh-huh. was he the one that, like, when he went to White Hart Lane on that video, he started crying? Yeah, see that that just that felt a little contrived to me. But you know, it's I know he's saying so. Like, he 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 does have a sort of genuine level of uh, yeah. Everyone's welcome as long as it's sincere. You know, as long as you can. Don't they support about eight different teams? though? I think so. Yeah, he supports Leeds and West Ham as well. Which, Ooh, oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, that's that's kind of why loads of people kicked off on Twitter because he said, you know. I just want to get this straight. I'm a fan of Tottenham, West Ham and Leeds. <laughs> Sounds like an eight-year-old child crying when he goes to games, having about eight different teams to support. I mean, fair enough to the bloke. He's done all right in his career eating food, but it's, you know, I'm not going to... I'm not going to go out of my way to clap him onto the field or something like that. He's a bit of an odd one. Yeah, that's sounded it a little bit, West Ham. I don't, don't know how you can support Tottenham and West Ham. I just don't know how you can support West Ham. But you know what? He, um, he, 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 he genuinely, he seems to have a love for the club, and actually, maybe that's one of those things that gets lost in translation because, you know, American sport 
no, it, okay, it's location based, but it's it doesn't have the same kind of um, that tribal quality doesn't exist as far as I can see. So maybe this is a cultural difference, and maybe we should still give them the benefit of that. I think the closest they have to um, to football in, in what I've read, and I may be wrong, is um, I think they're quite tribal about their baseball team. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I think and I'm I'm not sure if that's their oldest spot or not, but they get very uppity about like what is it is it New York Yankees and Boston and the Red Sox. or something yeah, like that. Yeah, they they're like kind of kind of aggro, and then you have you have your NFL rivalries like um, uh, Green Bay. Um, and I want to say Chicago, Chicago Bears. Yeah, that. yeah. Um, that's pretty fierce. Um, so, yeah. I mean, I, I get it, but it, they kind of move around a little bit sometimes as well. It's like you, you, you have that kind of MK Dons franchising thing going along, and, and I, I suppose if I suppose it's healthy in that situation to have a kind of degree of detachment from the side, just in case you, you know, you, it, it gets moved from an area. So it's all a bit rugby union for my liking. We've got a, uh, a good one here from Simon Kelly, at Simon underscore says 93. Um, and he says, how do you see our forward line next season? Buy a big name or promote more youth up front? I mean, I'm not sure we've actually got any youth to promote up front, do we? No, I don't, Harry Kane will be their frontline striker. Um, any... Oh, it depends what he means by up front. Does he mean the the front section of the I, side? I guess a striker because Adebayor and Soldado are probably gone, aren't they? It'll be um, Harry Kane, a Harry Kane alternative, and then an understudy. I'd imagine. Um, it depends whether or not we can get rid of both of Soldado and Adebayor. It may be the case that I think it's more likely that Soldado will probably be given another year just so we sort of we feel like we've got some some worth out of him out of his contract so that we can play him in the early stages of the Europa League and things like that. Um, Adi Bayor, I think, is definitely gone. I'd be surprised to see him stick around another year. Um, if if he's willing to play kind of like a second second fiddle, if you like, a kind of super sub role, um, how would you guys feel about like a, a, a Javier Hernandez coming in? Cause that, too expensive. Do you reckon? I think yeah. he'd be attainable. No wages, mate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Far too expensive. He, as well as the way in which he thinks about himself, as well, coming from the clubs he has, he will not be happy to play understudy to be Harry Kane. Um, we will, we'll be buying youngish players um, underneath twenty five, twenty four, um, and they will, they will know their place within the squad, and they will know that they'll have to to earn their place and and sort of buy into what Pochettino's doing. It'll be a similar sort of structure what to what Southampton have been doing as long as we don't lose players too heavily and we don't hemorrhage talent um I don't imagine we'll be looking to to take too many players out of the squad to be honest it'll be it'll be quite an interesting summer because this is the first summer where we'll see just how much the club has bought into what um Pochettino and Mitchell are gonna try and do with the club over the next few seasons so uh, I can't imagine um, there being too many big signings in that sense, mm. but I imagine there'll be a few who who go um, regardless. Imagine, especially if uh, the FA are, are able to in- implement the uh, the new homegrown players rule as, as quickly as they want to. Um, that's going to have a, an impact. I'm not sure whether or not that's going to happen at the start of this season or the start of next one, but um, that I think I was reading today that we're we're about. Uh, three or four players over what the uh, the new regulations would have us uh, be able to to keep within the twenty three months. So 
Um, we're going to, I imagine, looking forward to the future as we do with our um, with our signings. We'll have to to try and ship out some of the some of the talent on the bench who who aren't from a homegrown status will be replaced. You could probably see Lamella going conceivably. Oh, I'd be devastated if Lamella went. I'd hate to see Lamella go, but just in terms of I could conceivably see it happening. I think we'd have to make a majority of our money back for him. To yeah, yeah. I, I don't course. see the. I mean, I, I I agree with you. I think it's 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 yeah, it's possible. But I just it screams of the kind of situation where he goes, and in four or five years, we're 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 watching YouTube highlights of why we shouldn't have done. Yeah, I mean, that would course. just I, that would just be reckless. I think. I'm I'm still a big fan of the lad, um, but it's going to be you know to touch back on your point, Roger. It's going to be let's be honest. It's going to, we're going to at least show an interest in the likes of kind of Ings, Austin, Rodriguez. It's going to be that kind of level, isn't it? Rodriguez probably not because Southampton will want ridiculous money for him. But you can and I think Danny Ings will probably go to Liverpool. I can see him going there. Um, Do you think though that I, 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 I we all I think we all like Danny Ings, but I think that. If you were him, wouldn't you say like I understand why Liverpool would want him and I understand why we would want him, but w- wouldn't you go somewhere where you were guaranteed to start? I don't know. Do you, do you think he's guaranteed to start at either no, Spurs I really or don't. Liverpool? I don't. I don't. He's not. He's not going to start ahead of Kane here, um, and Liverpool. I mean, what are you doing with Sturridge and Sterling if you're if you if you if you're going to accommodate him? I think Sterling might leave this summer. Mm, a lot of money, maybe. I think he's uh, given the uh, the way his agent behaves. Yeah, it doesn't um, look given great, the ages and given that he's probably at the peak of his hype, and that Manchester City, out of all the clubs in the league, are the the most in need of signing home yeah. talent. They will likely spunk a hell of a lot of money into that transfer. Um, I wouldn't even be surprised to see Chelsea. Yeah, me neither. Well, either one of the two, they, they're both the ones that have the resources to not only sign him but accommodate the wages he's asking for without really sniffing at him. So I think uh, it could be a case, unless Liverpool sort of break their wage structure and, and sort of kneel to his demands and do what Arsenal sort of did with Theo Walcott a few years ago, they're going to be uh, they're going to be losing him this summer. Um, it's going to be a case of either pay him or stick to your guns and let him go. We've had uh, we've had one there from Jack. At Debaser92. Again, I'm going to say it, Raj. A nice lad. You should give him a follow. He's a good bloke. Um, is there any manager out there who Poch couldn't beat in a fight? I'm going to straight up say Nigel Pearson. After 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 the stories we heard last week, the Wolves. Honestly, honest to God. Just listening. Yeah, I listen back to our own pod. Whatever. You know, it's like a it's like an audio. I way. laugh a lot to um, our own pod. I like uh, peak well, narcissism. Nothing wrong with that. Especially my parts, I said. That's yeah, of course, of course. Thank you. Cheers, dude. Cheers. After editing the podcast, I never want to hear it again. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, that that Pearson story. I don't care if we if we're going a bit meta here. Like the Pearson story is one of the best things I've I've heard in a long time. It was just it was fantastic. I, I actually looked it up after. Not that I doubt either of you guys at all, but I did have to look it up just to just to believe it more. Just to absorb the story properly and it's true and it, just seeing him his face you know, <laughs> how he was getting all agitated after the game when they just they kind of said to him you know what do you think about the penalty call and he just did that whole I'm going to have to be careful because his arrogance is mm, uh, it was a strange press conference that I'm going to have to just mm. and I was like what, what are you on about 
Why? Why is it arrogant for a referee to give a penalty for a start? Well, I don't no, get he it. said in the other interviews as well that in in his um in his sort of interactions with uh, Mike Riley, wasn't it? Um, in his yeah. interactions with him, he, he finds him an arrogant person and doesn't think he deals with the situation well. And he just completely, after trying to stop himself, just gave up on it and went, you know what, I think he's a bellend. I'm going to tell everyone I think he's a bellend. And that's sort of why I like him, um, because he, he doesn't have that that filter or agenda that other managers do. You know, when, when people say that Tim Sherwood doesn't have a filter without realising that he's only filtering through the things he wants yeah. people to hear, Nigel Pearson genuinely doesn't have a filter. He's a type of person that, like, um, probably meets a fat man and asks him how much he weighs and things like that. He's one of those yeah. men who just doesn't have that, that, that filter. And, like, before he offers a, a woman a seat on a train, he'll ask her whether or not she's actually pregnant. He's that sort of person. Ask someone of their disabled child, what's wrong with him then? That kind of, like... Like, if he ever met me, he'd go, where are you from? And I'd say, Huddersfield. And then he'd go, no, where are you from? And I'd go, <laughs> Huddersfield. <laughs> That's a story. Yeah. He's, uh, he needs to sort out his barnet as well. It's horrible, horrible hair. Horrible He's got hair. a cap it's a cap haircut. It's one of those that you can easily fit under, like a Tony Pulis style cap. It's that nineties psycho hairstyle. As he did when he played the game. I mean, he, he, yeah, he, um, yeah. he, if you look up, actually, it's not going to top the Wolves story, but he um, in the uh, I can't remember which. Nothing stopping that. Nothing stopping that. Um, but um, wedding day, birth of the first child. Nothing, nothing. that ever topped Nigel Pearson in the Wolves. Sorry. But he. Um, in the um, in the cup final where Chelsea beat Borough um, and Dimitrius scored that goal after 30 seconds, Chelsea's second goal in that game is an own goal off Nigel Pearson's face. And I just <laughs> it, it's, it's 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 hard, uh, but it, to, to 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 watch. But it's just such a kind of it's such a terrible thing to happen to someone like the peak of your career, Wembley Cup final, own goal off your face. So I have a YouTube of that. It's brutal. I think it's a Zola shot that just, or a Dennis Wise maybe, that just, um, yeah, in off, in off Pearson's face. So there you go, Jack. Nigel Pearson would beat up Pochettino, but aside for him, I don't. I don't think I'd want to see. Uh... I'd pay money to see a charity box between Pochettino and Simeone. Yeah, that'd be pretty decent. Yeah, I'd like to see them. They'd that. all be like probably like swearing at each other in like Spanish. You know, these kind of like these big like the you know, <laughs> and all this kind of. Not to play up to any stereotypes or anything. But I'm allowed to do it, mate. Like I say, I'm allowed to do it. It's a stereotype I'm allowed to no, do. No, I think, I think, I think Pochettino too. takes Simeone. Simeone's a blaster. We say, Pochettino's a, you know, a South American centre-half. He can handle himself. Oh, God, there's this... Uh, I know these kind of, like, vines and gifts and stuff, they, they populate social media, and for the most part, they're white noise. But you see the odd one that's absolutely brilliant, generally made by me. Um, but... There was I, I I didn't see it happen at the time. There's uh, it's it's during the five three against Chelsea, and you have Mourinho. He's shouting something at Pochettino, and then you just see Pochettino kind of like he's he's looking at Mourinho and he's like nodding along to it. And yeah, Mourinho's animated and he's like he's he's aggressively shouting at Pochettino. But you just see kind of Pochettino look away. He's not looking at the camera, but he's looking the way of the camera and just pulls this look of like. <laughs> You know, that just is, like laughing a, to himself. A moment from the season. Have, have you? Oh, yeah. I I hadn't seen it before, but it's it's just brilliant, and it it just sums the guy up. I love it. Like I love seeing him in those press conferences. Uh, I know we've said it before, but when you have these kind of like these 
fucking needle dick journos that are trying to get a raise out of him so they can get a few column inches. You know, RG manager says this or that. It's like, he just doesn't give it to them. And even now, we're talking about Harry Kane. I don't know if you saw his quotes the other day talking about Harry Kane where they were saying to him, like, you know, Tim Sherwood said this about Harry Kane and blah, 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 said that about Harry Kane, but what do you think you've done for Harry Kane? And Pochettino, doesn't, he just he just rises above it all and he says, you know, Harry Kane is he Harry Kane. We train, yeah, yeah, we yeah. train all of our players, but Harry Kane is where he is because he's Harry Kane. So, yeah, you know, good, next good question. He him. just does... Ah, oh, I love him. I love him. I don't care. Um... Yeah, let's uh, let's let's move on now. We've done, we've done a few list of questions. I hope. Sorry if we didn't answer you. I'm not that sorry. I'm just being polite. The um, there's loads. I know, but you know, we we got. I uh, just just quickly a bankrupt's question about who the, the poshest uh, Spurs player is uh, would ever play for Spurs. Well, at the moment, it's probably Lloris, By the way, just quickly, I, I think. Yes. Yeah, he's he's like a properly upper middle class yeah, family, isn't hair. he? It's it's all in the hair and the mannerisms. I think. <laughs> I can picture like Larice going home and reading some Voltaire or something. <laughs> I just I, I love Larice. I just think he's he's uh, I don't know he's so he's so dignified and, and he's got that incredible combination of just being one of the best players in the world, but just so blasé about it. Love it. You should uh, you should get your people to ask his people if he wants to come over for dinner dins. Dinner dins, mate. Come over for sort of you know, cucumber sandwiches and scones and jam. <laughs> you know, <laughs> Tea with those little handles, you know, it'd be great. It's what we do around here. Um, I imagine I like really your house is just there. like an extended version of Betty's. <laughs> Good old Betty's. There's still a queue around the block, mate. When you go to Betty's in York, there's still a queue around the block every day. I love you know, it. It's just old women in like quilted jackets wanting it, a cup it's, of tea. It's nice, though, mate. It is nice, Betty's. It's good. Mm. It's a good experience. If you're ever in York, anywhere, I think there's a few others around in York, in the Yorkshire area. But if you want to go to Betty's, Betty's, go to York. Anyone that's in York, go Betty's. It's good. It's I hate York. It's weird. It's not even a proper. It's like the South has planted somewhere in Yorkshire. What's wrong with that? Yeah, I got a lot of time. It's properly for weird. No, it's just odd because it's all cobbled streets and BHS. Love and don't don't like. don't listen to him. It's a lovely city. Lovely place. Although, no, it's, on, it's only about like three yards long as well. There's nothing there. There is. It's not much of a nightlife. I can't imagine young people have much to do around that. No, way. there's that weird like. It's called like it's a bar. It's called like the Crooked Eye or something like that. And everyone always says that Johnny Depp had been there once in the nineties. <laughs> so that's where that's where people go, genuinely. That's where people go for a drink. Like, I don't understand where students go. I think there's like one club that's open every night. One of those sort of shit house places that does a fun party every Tuesday. That sort of shit place. That plays your poppets and that, but, but you, um, you, you're selling yeah, yours a bit of, short. It's full it's of not... like proper, proper small dingy pubs. I feel like you're it's the not... man the size that I am, like, and you've got knees that don't fit under ancient tables. It's not a place to go. So say that you are making it sound like it's like some like horrible proper cesspit. It's it's a picturesque, like oh, yeah, tourist it's, it's type really town. It's beautiful. That, it's, it's lovely. It's got mm-hmm. nothing on Huddersfield where you can go to Merry England and have your bacon and egg butty. That's that's the type of place you want to go. That's a proper Yorkshire institution. Get get punched just because someone doesn't like the look of you. <laughs> that kind no, of. Huddersfield's one of the nicest, friendliest places on earth. I don't know why we've got a. Uh, a do you know where it isn't? Hull. Hull isn't no, a friendly Hull's place. No, Hull's horrible. Hull's horrible. I got punched in Hull. 
And this is one of the places I've, I've, <laughs> I, I spoke about this on Twitter the other day. I got punched in Hull on a bus because I looked smug. That was it. Because I looked... But that's one of three occasions when <laughs> me looking smug has been reason for me being physically assaulted. <laughs> Genuinely speaking. So there we go. I'd, I'd say I'm surprised and offer you my sympathy, but I... I just thought uh, the idea of someone walking onto a bus and just smacking you. Just like... <laughs> it was just an... Ag- I, I'd gone for a night out in a club called Spiders, which you might know as well, right? when I was, like, 18. Um, it's just some, like, dingy kind of student club bar thing that plays, like, alternative music. And I just got on a bus and I was pissed and there was just some lad on the bus that sort of barged past me a bit and I was just like, oh... Whatever, mate. And he was like, you what, mate? He was a local. And I just kind of gave him a smile. And he just fucking cracked me straight in the face. And just said, oh, I'll teach you for looking so smug. And I kind of laughed along with it. But there we go. Um, I once saw two lads. Get, funniest one I've ever seen. It was two lads getting a scrap in a Greg's once because one took the last sausage roll. <laughs> he was like, did you just buy the last sausage roll? And he went, yeah, and took a bite in front of him. And the guy just properly chinned him. It was one of the... Well, like, he had half... He still had the bite of sausage roll in his mouth as he punched him, and it sort of, like, half fell out of his loose-hanging jaw afterwards. That's one of the funniest things I've ever seen in my life. Oh, I love the dog. <laughs> this guy just kind of, like, spark out on the floor with, like, sausage roll in his hand, and guy just stood over and looking. And then he, I remember it, because, like, nobody laughed at that point, but it's like, we sort of looked at him and looked at the guy on the floor, like, do we go and ask him if he's all right, or is this guy going to kick off again? And then he just sort of, in one movement, sort of, from, like, punching this woman, dipped his hand back in his pocket, took out some change, and goes, I'll have a, I'll have a steak, mate, please, love. <laughs> Just got back on me, you did. Sort of thing if you captured it in like a super slow mo camera, you see like flakes of pastry flying out all over the shop, spinning around in various different directions. And yeah, well, I, the guy did like he, he sort of asked for it because he sort of like went yeah, like and then as, as he said so, sort of got a sausage roll out and bit it in his face, and the guy just sort of saw red and chinned him, and uh, it was one of the one of the funniest things I've ever seen in my life. Sweet. Um, right, so there's been a number of Tottenham players called up to the England squad. Um, we won't devote too much time to this, but... Not as much time as we did to jelly beans. Well, exactly, exactly. But Ryan Mason, um, I wanted to, I just wanted to focus on him because it was something we were chatting about via text the other day. Um, and I, I know Harry Kane is stealing the spotlight at the moment and... It could be argued that this is a one-season thing, even for Harry Kane. But you're starting to get the impression, even you know, that it's not that maybe it won't be as prolific as this year. But he's still going to be a decent footballer. Um, whereas I kind of, for me, Ryan Mason's story this season, it feels all the more emotive. It this feels like the real kind of Roy of the Rovers in a way. I don't know. Maybe, maybe I hate that. I don't know why I've used Roy of the Rovers. I used it in the fucking text conversation the other day, but I actively hate that comparison. I think it's outdated. Maybe I'm outdated. Christ, I'm outdated. I'm talking about Roy the Rovers. What am I doing? Um, it's, uh, yeah, I, I just think his story is, is pretty beautiful in a way. Um, he's he's kind of, he's, he's just like a lad. And he, he, I know we said it last week, but he just loves it all. He loves playing football. And you can see it. And there is just that air of... 
that it's inevitably just going to come to an end. Did you just did you just fall off your chair? I, yes. Did I not cover that well? I was leaning back on no, my the chair. the massive crash and, and, the, and the sound of your voice being further away kind of, kind of gave it away, mate. <laughs> that happens. Don't lean on your chair, kids. But it shut me up at least. So, yeah. Brian Mason, discuss. Are you happy? Um, for me, I'm um, probably I, I my arse. My arse is absolutely <laughs> killing it. It's like the back of my head. I smacked the back of my head on my sofa. <laughs> I, I um, genuinely feel like I've been punched very hard. Oh, dear. But um, Ryan Mason, he... Um, I was really hoping you wouldn't have heard that then. No, it was uh, it was one of the it's loudest things we've ever heard on the podcast. Loud. I'm just gonna. I'm gonna put you on mute. So I'm gonna compose myself. But you guys talk about Ryan Mason. Uh, well, anyway, Ryan Mason. He, um, for me, I don't. I don't really care about the story too much. I'm, I don't get too emotive about these type of things. I actually think he makes quite a lot of sense for England because he's one of those. He's the level of player and the dedicated player and the sort of functional player that England have lacked, and they don't tend to pick. They tend to pick players who look for the, the spectacular and, you know, the Gerard, the Hollywood pass, the getting sent off after 38 seconds type of player. But um, Ryan Mason's not that. He will consistently do, do a job for England. And that is the level of footballing nation we are. We're not much better than that. And if we were to pick a midfield that included the likes of him, Henderson and Milner and players of that ilk, Lallana, that's that sort of thing. Players who, who don't think they're too above their stationers yet and they're not they're not really household names. They're not big stars. You're not going to see them on on massive adverts or on billboards. I think they're not they're not Beckham superstars. If we start picking that level of player who've actually earned their earned their place and will make a difference to the team ethic and you know the the Delft type of thing, then we'll be a much better football team for it. We'll be much more functional and they'll they'll actually operate as a, as a team rather than a group of individuals. And and that is why Mason makes sense. Obviously, you two have touched on the more emotive side of it and his his story and his his rise to success after being on loan so many times and and the the injuries and things and the fact that his his performances have been consistently very good and and he has actually contributed a lot to the side as a as a bonus. So I don't see a downside to it. I, I actually think Ryan Mason's one of those who who isn't going to let this England call go to his head. He's actually going to savour it and he's actually going to build from that because he's probably somebody who's going to want to to do enough while he's on duty for England to continue in there and be in the squad with merit because he's not going to be able to get on on his name I don't see him he's not the type of player that's ever going to grab headlines or be be you know the, the star man or anything like that so I, I hope he this is something that sort of kicks him on and, and spurs him on to do well um, whereas other players like um like perhaps Kane and Townsend may be more susceptible to, to believing in their own hype a little bit more, although I don't think that's the case. I don't think Townsend can going to make the same, same mistake twice. I don't think uh, Pochettino will let him, and the same goes for Kane. I think Kane is probably a little bit too intelligent, um, and he's got the it seems that he's got the right sort of people around him to keep his, his feet on the floor as well. So I would hope that they, um, he makes the best of his opportunity. But I don't know what you think, Seb. You, you've written about it, haven't you? Not to spend an hour just plugging all your, your articles, but you've, you've written about this as well, haven't you? Yeah, I... Um, well, I, I, don't, I don't care much for England I, uh, anymore. I don't, um, I don't invest too much time in, in writing about what they do. 
<laughs> then why don't you go back to where you came from? <laughs> I, um, why don't you go back to sitting on the floor? <laughs> I I just I um, Ryan Mason represents something which the England squad doesn't have a lot of, and Raj has already touched on this. But Mason, um, there's an honesty and a, a kind of rugged quality to Mason, which is in stark contrast to sort of the the the, the attitudes which kind of radiate off the England squad or have radiated off the England squad over the last 10 years. There's no there's no entitlement. There's no hype around him. There's no sort of Jack Wilshire quality um, to him as a footballer. And I just think, I don't, I'm not really sure that he's quite good enough to be an England regular. But that's not really the point. I just think having someone like that in the squad is is, uh, is a force for good. I... You know the, the the emotive side of it is not lost on me. Um, I think it's, a, it's a, a lovely thing, given that he has obviously come so close to not making it as a Premier League footballer, um, and also that that his rise this season has, has been has been very fortuitous because um, he was he was just happily in a situation where he was the kind of despite you know the the, the more celebrated midfielders that were at the club um, at the beginning of the season. He was really the one which fitted Pochettino's um, ideology the best. He was the midfielder who did the things, who could do the things that Pochettino needed to be done from that position. Um, and it's just been a, a lovely thing. And I, I, I love watching him play football because it means so much to him. Um, and that's a very you know, skin-deep way of assessing it. But I, I, I like seeing players like that elevated. Um, and even if I don't care so much about England, I'm sure it means an awful lot to him. And, and what a wonderful thing for him. Uh, so it's a great moment, and um, and he has played well. You know, people. I I I wrote that article earlier, and it got posted by Squawker, and I got all kinds of sort of, you know, bollocks from Arsenal supporters, and and ultimately you know, the guy hasn't lost North London derby, um, which okay, it's a season, but it still means something because he performs in big game situations, um, and that's that's a that's not a very Tottenham like quality. Um, and so I, I would always uh, embrace someone like that at my club. So it's a good thing. And um, no, good luck to him. Great moment. And um, you know, I hope, he, I hope he gets capped over the next 10 days. Yeah, it'd be nice to see. I mean, Kane's inevitably going to get capped. He'll probably score as well. Danny Rose, nice to see him in there. Townsend, not the first. So I, don't, I think we've... Uh, Mason was kind of the main talking point, I think, of this. Uh, <laughs> I've uh, just we, seen the picture of your chair on Twitter. <laughs> mate, it's... Oh, dear God. <laughs> that, you know, like, I, I was actually... I was very, very dazed when that happened. I, I nearly knocked myself out, honestly. Were you, were you tipping um, on it? Or did, did it just give way? <laughs> yeah, like... It's <laughs> um, a nice bit of kindling for you. Yeah. Shame I don't have a fire, but you know. Jesus, you've properly destroyed that, and you've how have you knocked off the two two from the side? Were you leaning on it sideways? Kind of, yeah. Like, well, I was actually leaning back on one leg in the corner, like doing one of those kind of pivot. I wasn't fully leaning on the chair; I still kind of had my tiptoes on the ground, and then it just kind of went. You see, kids, when when they tell you in school not to tip on your chair, that's why. A chair has four legs for a reason, Jack. No, oh, I'm yeah. a serial tipper. Okay, it's it's annoying as well. It's a nice chair. Yeah, nice I was going to say, really chair. nice chair. Mate, you can really have that fixed, though. No, that's dead, mate. It's gone. It was How already fixed. Is Charlotte going to tell you off? 
Uh, she, do you know what? She actually came in to see that I was all right. How lovely is that? What Did a she laugh woman. at you? Did she not laugh at you? She laughed at you a little bit. But she hasn't done it yet. She probably will, though. Um, I, she's probably probably a little bit angry. She really liked the chairs as well, so I'll, I'll probably be in a bit of trouble um, for yeah, that one. Fixed as a surprise. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, surprise is the chair I broke from being overweight <laughs> and leaning. Um, anyway, I hope you've enjoyed this week's Rule the Roost guys and gals, I guess. I bet we don't have any girls that listen to us, do we? Seems I don't so. know. If, if you are a woman and listen to us, could you let us know just so we can sort of bear in mind <laughs> our demographic? Didn't know what you were going to say then, Rajas. Kind of worried. Yeah, I wasn't <laughs> sure where you were going. I'm not going to say anything bad, am I? Yeah, follow me and I'll DM you pictures of my willy. But um, that's actually the reason I started following Seb <laughs> for dodgy DMs. Dude, yeah. Close it off. Kill it. Right. Okay. <laughs> so if you do want to listen to any previous episodes of Rollerish Podcast, you can do so at well, you can do so on iTunes first and foremost, or on SpursStatman.com. Um, where it's now been run, well, kind of run by Steve Jennings. He's, he's would you say, the editor-in-chief, Roger? Are you still the editor-in-chief? No, editor-in-chief's above the editor, isn't it? So I believe that the title we went for is co-editor. Okay. In that, like, he just sort of runs things past me, but I'm very much a, a backseat person in this, and he's, um, he's, he's driving at the moment. He's looking for new writers and things, and quite a few people have shown an interest. So as long as you can string a sentence together and it isn't terrible... Um, and you feel like you've got something of worth to say rather than just having a rant or something. I, I'm not after, or we're not after, extended <laughs> sort of forum posts or anything like that. We don't want just somebody who wants every blue moon is going to write 500 words on why they think Kyle Walker's shit or something like that. No lists, no lists. Yeah, no lists, no gifts. Um, if you've actually got a piece of analysis or something to say or you, you understand the game at some sort of level... Um, or you've got an opinion that is actually worthy of of being published properly and and uh, and, and shared to quite a lot of people, um, then then feel free to to get in contact with with one of us and we'll we'll uh, we'll have a look for definite. We're we're an open book. Apart from all those restrictions you've just placed there. <laughs> <laughs> this is why you've never written for us because I don't think. I don't think you'd take too kindly to be an editor. No, no, absolutely not, man. No. Can't, can't edit friends. Um, no, that doesn't work at all. Um, no, it's nice that you think you're my friend. No, I, I, I'm not oh. even joking. Like, I, 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 you, you two are the closest thing I have to friends now because I, um, <laughs> I, I, I live in a town where I, I don't know anybody I'm not really related to. It's just a, well, I've got a couple of ex-girlfriends who you know, don't like me that much. Um, <laughs> you scallywag. I like how you throw in a couple... Uh, so just like yeah, yeah, just knocking around. Yeah, a few, just a harem, you know. Um, Next week he'll come on and call it a gaggle or something. Like that. Yeah. Well, it's it's a good thing that you're going to be hosting this uh, end of season special, then, mate. Our our, our Byron our, weekend. Yeah. Exactly, Byron weekends. <laughs> Byron weekend. <laughs> well, we go mushroom picking and so on and so forth. Uh, yeah. Anyway. Follow the Bossman JP, who is the founder of the Spurs Statman phenomenon, um, at Spurs Statman. Um, I can tell you work in marketing. I don't. Um, and you can follow <laughs> the Royal Rooster account at RTRSSM. 
I don't think there's much more to say. We've pretty much exhausted everything. Thank you for listening. Come on, England! I mean, come on. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.